Hello there. You are listening to the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show, sponsored by Betfair, with me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick. This podcast is for over-18s only. We talk about betting, and specifically betting on the EFL. It comes with significant risks. Please head to begamblerware.org to understand the many risks that come with placing a bet. I think, I think, George, we might have a full slate. It's only Thursday, lunchtime. Called that early. I've gone early. But I think we might have a full slate and I'm seriously excited about it. How are you doing, my friend? I'm very good. I feel feeling quite fresh, you know. That's great. Don't know why. I know. Uh, last week didn't go great on the betting show. Uh you well, we had nothing from our naps. You had Borough minus one. They did win the game late, but they didn't cover the minus one handicap. My nap, Blackpool against Barnsley, was called off. Within hours of release, which was very frustrating. Uh, our next best, Accrington at three to one. They drew one one with Sunderland. Sutton around eight to five. They drew three all at Stevenage. You are growing your reputation for great lays. <laughs> That's the first. <laughs> Laying Rotherham at one point five, and of course Fleetwood did the business there. You had BTTS get up as well in Vale against Swindon, and then arguably the most annoying thing that could have possibly happened when backing a goal scorer at any time, Alfie McCalmont. Came on in injury time. Makes your 8-1 to one anytime goal scorer pick a loser, doesn't it? Got to live by the rules, got to die by the rules, mate. Can't can't complain. Uh, I knew going into the bet with my eyes wide open that there was a chance he wouldn't start. If that happens, there's always a chance they're going to come on late. And that is uh, what scuppered me. Serious football player post-match interview vibe there. I, I can't mm. believe you didn't say, we've put that behind us and now we're just focused on, on the weekend ahead. It wasn't a good one for me at all. All of my picks outside of the nap that, that was called off were, were losers. I was feeling pretty good when Newport won 4-0 in the early game with Dom Telford scoring. Uh, but of course, he wasn't my official goal scorer pick, Billy Sharp was. And I needed Blades to get over 1.5 as well to go with Newport's over 1.5 goals for my goals bet. And Sharp missed a good-headed chance in the first half. That was all that an impressive Derby defence allowed him and Blade, so that was a loser as well. Just another chapter that in our nine-month journey to win some EFL punting battles, we march on with hope in our hearts. What's your nap ahead of this weekend? What's your best bet, George? Well, Ali, I know that you've crowned yourself as the Lord of the Stance this this season. Stance, then, wherever you may be, Ali is the Lord of the Stance, says he. But I'm taking, I've taken a bit of a stance on two two teams on the Monday pods and I want and, and also last week with the Rotherham late and, and I'm looking to get with them this weekend the, the thinking is and, and you know I often say at the beginning of seasons I think basically my favorite two times for betting by by miles my favorite is the first couple of weeks of the season because the markets don't have all of the informed data and I think that you and I given our perceived knowledge of the players in the EFL generally have a better understanding of which teams are in which situation and their perceived strength at the beginning of the season it is incredible how bad some of the betting markets are before before a ball is kicked you know you only have to look at the way that teams who are promoted from the National League are priced up early in seasons despite there being loads of historical data around how strong they can be and then that it kind of happens to a lighter extent at the end of January where you have teams who who are strengthening, whose squads basically look completely different to how they did at the start of the window. But because there is all of that data built into the prices, even if they are going to look like a completely different football team, it is in fact into the price effectively. So, And I think that is the case with two sides. Now, the first is kind of surprising because Lincoln have been in very good form recently. Um, but I think the 14 to 5 about them to beat Plymouth, I'm just going to go straight up win. 
Yeah, I'm not not going to take the draw no bet because again, I, I think if I'm right and, and the market underrates them, then may as well maximise where we are. That 14 to five about Lincoln is is wrong in my view. Um, the, the signings they've made compared to the players they've lost, they are undoubtedly like a way way stronger side now than they were for the rest of the season, um, where they've they've really struggled. Um, they've lost a player in Dan and. Edlund Dulu, who wasn't really getting much game time at all. They replaced him with Liam Cullen, who looks like an f- unbelievable signing for this level. And I'm pretty surprised that he's dropped to, to... I mean, I assumed he would stay at Swansea for the rest of the season. Why are you laughing so much? I'm just giggling because when you mentioned Lundulu, I was thinking about how you put him up as a massive long shot to be top goal scorer in our pre-season betting show in League Still 1. Still alive, mate. Still alive. Bang- could well be on loan now at Cheltenham. Had a had a great debut by all accounts. And then with that, while I was still thinking about that, you called Liam Cullen and what was it? An absolutely incredible no, signing, no, just an unbelievable signing. An unbelievable. You cannot believe hyperbole is the name of the game. Well, all the players they're bringing in, right? So we've got Cullen and we've got Whitaker, two players who I'm pretty surprised have pitched up at a club who at the moment are still trying to stave off relegation in League One. They brought in John Marquis. I mean, I'm. I'm slightly terrified about how the dynamic with Maguire and Marquis is going to work. I don't know how how having two players um, with their combined s housery um, will impact. Yeah, yeah, the, the way that they play. Um, but just you know, in, in, in bringing in those players and with Maguire, Maguire's clear return to form and the performance levels we saw against Oxford and against Sunderland, and some people out there will say, "Hold on, well, last time out they lost one nil." at home to Cambridge, that, as we said on the Monday pod, was was basically down to poor finishing and Mitov having a fantastic game in goal for Cambridge. Lincoln with a better side throughout that game uh, and probably deserved to win. There wasn't a massive dip in performance levels at all. Scully, back to some kind of form as well, is, is important. Um, they are, are just they just look to me like a much better side now, and I don't think that's massively factored in. For, you know, for Plymouth Argyle, they've been okay um, since Stephen Schumacher came in. You know, they had a... a those back-to-back wins against Charlton and Cheltenham, which kind of got them, kept them in that promotion race. Um, but I do think it's going to be difficult for them to to continue that. And them being odds-on at home against a side where, if you're going to take the two, you know, if you take the two teams on paper at the end of December, there's no question who the stronger is. Now that's not the case. And if I was a, you know, if I was Michael Appleton. Would I swap the team that I'm going to put out for the team you're playing against on Saturday? Probably not. And so when you're getting, you know, just under three to one about the win on the away side, uh, who last time out on the road went to the Stadium of Light and and you know beat three one um, the team who are one of the favourites to win the league. Uh, yeah, I think it's a massive price, um, and and I think Lincoln are, are just a side to side with for, for the rest of the campaign. Um, you know, I, I was surprised how poor they were for the first half. But I'm pretty sure Michael Appleton and everyone at the club is 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 hoping they can string together one of those runs. You know, we've seen Tranmere do it, we've seen Mansfield do it. If they can put together a run of wins um, and push themselves up the table, which happens very quickly when you're occupying a lowly position, then who knows where they can go? Because we saw last season they're a playoff side. They've definitely got the personnel in there now to to go on a run, and that should start on Saturday. So, yeah, 14 to five Lincoln away at Plymouth is my nap. I'm all for hyperbole, by the way, and I, I love everything that you do. In in a, in a world, you're a podcaster, in, mate. You have to. In a world full of cynicism, and in particular in an industry where people constantly say it's quite it's one of football's great cliches is nothing surprises me anymore in football. 
I think it's absolutely mm. right that you should continue to find signings unbelievable, and I love it. My mm. nap is Huddersfield to beat Reading this weekend at 29 to 20 at the Majeski Stadium or the Select Car Leases Stadium dot com dot co uk. Yeah, 2.45 in decimal with the Betfair Sportsbook here. This feels a like kicking someone when they're down, but also potentially a little bit trappy. But I just couldn't ignore it. I have to scratch the itch. Reading are so low at the moment. Uh, last night they lost two 0 at home to Luton, showing almost nothing. Of course, that was in, in in many ways the least dramatic of their results in the last ten days. Having lost seven nil to Fulham at home, having lost two one to Middlesbrough away, conceding two goals in the last ten minutes to lose their lead uh, and lose the match. They had last night per the Tilehurst end, which is an excellent Reading FC related website. Only 10 senior players available uh, for them last night. The lowest all season. Big issues they have at, at fullback in particular. Uh, that's because Yerdom's been away, as has Baba Rahman at AFCON. Andy Carroll was a rare ray of positivity recently, playing up front on that short-term mm-hmm. contract, which expired at the start of the week. We weren't sure because there wasn't much news as to whether he'd signed on, whether he was going to go to Burnley. Pauno said last night when Carroll was not in the squad, we haven't heard back from him yet. There are no updates. It doesn't bode that well. Lucas Shaw, remember him? He had half an hour last night off the bench. He had three minutes last weekend, so you can see that they're wow, easing, wow, wow, wow. easing him back in. Um, he could be good for a start here for Reading, but it's hard to imagine he'd be that sharp, and I don't think we can expect the same confidence as he had before. I think over the last few years of watching Joao, he's a real confidence player, and he doesn't come back into a confident team either that we could rub off on him. And I just think you can see the physical and mental impact that the current situation is having on on previously reliable players like Josh Laurent, like John Swift, dare I say it, uh, Tom Holmes, the young centre-back, scored the own goal last night and, and was desperate, had his head in the turf for like 10 seconds afterwards. It's it's a it's a really bad place right now. Uh, recently, their, their first halves have been okay, Reading. They've been staying relatively competitive, but it's the second halves where things have been falling apart. And I think that kind of reflects what I'm talking about, just a lack of personality within the team, uh, the bad vibes leading to more bad vibes, and, and they're struggling to keep it all together, that's for sure. I don't think that Paunovic will be sacked ahead of the weekend. Um, last night's defeat to Luton was pretty poor, but... I don't think he's going to go from what I've seen and I don't think he's showing much of an ability to overcome this sort of tidal wave of what is bad form, bad luck, bad injuries, bad shape, bad motivation, bad bad vibes in general. So I'm pretty down on Reading, as you can tell, as are the fans. Huddersfield, I'm feeling fairly positive about, despite not necessarily thinking they'll stay in the playoff hunt, as we said on our mid-season predictions Monday pod last week. It's true that Huddersfield don't come up particularly well in the underlying numbers. They don't regularly dominate games. Um, And I think giving away leads has been an an annoyance. It certainly was last week against Swans. They were good for their lead. And then they sat in. Swansea took control of the game and and it finished 1-1. Huddersfield scored first in 15 games, but only won nine of them, which is not a great conversion rate, really. But I do think there's plenty of positives as well. And one of them, crucially opposite to Reading, are that Corboran has his best squad of the season in terms of people back from injuries, good options for him, depth on the bench and 
competition for places. All of this sort of gives Huddersfield squad a feeling of greater depth, you know, proper selection headaches, if you will, for Corbram, which are anything but really. They're, they're, they're a joy for a manager to have, I think. They've had a week off to, to prepare for this, to rest, recover and plan their game plan. They may not be a dominant side at this level, but I think there's a lot to like about them. And I certainly think they're good enough to take advantage of a Reading side that I just think are in a massive hole at the moment. And I don't think playing every three games is very helpful. Huddersfield, my nap, 29 to 20, 2.45 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Next best. Similar story where I think Fleetwood are a side who um, are just way better than they've been any other time in the season. Uh, I said on Quest, I said on the pod, I think the, the three players they brought in and Jules and Ciala and, and Harrison uh, are their three best players immediately. We, we've seen an immediate reaction with the results uh, recently beating Rotherham. Last weekend, Stephen Craney seems like absolutely no mug when it comes to management um, and their performances have, have increased um, and they are 16 to 5 to go to Charlton and beat them. Now, you know, Charlton are the rightful favourites here. There's no denying that. But Charlton's form themselves hasn't been the best recently after that incredible run uh, under Johnny Jackson. It's been a bit of a struggle. I mean, the, the performances aren't terrible by any stretch, but um, you know, I think naturally when a bit of variance comes to play. Um, they are on the receiving end of that now. You know, they've lost three of their last four. <clears throat> it was only a, a, a injury time goal from um, from Chucks and AK that uh, they got them a point at Cheltenham to prevent it from being four defeats in a row. Um, so I think quotes of them around the kind of 1.75, three to four marker are pretty skinny. Fleet would come into this full of confidence. Um, they will having beaten the league leaders um, in dramatic fashion on Saturday, will we'll come into this believing they can win as well. And um, still with a, with a big incentive of, of maintaining this push towards safety there too. So, um, yeah, this is kind of similar to Lincoln one, where I don't think the market's caught up on Fleetwood. I think they are much better now than they were, uh, than all the kind of the, the data would, would suggest um, before Saturday's game. And 16-5, to 5, I think, is, is generous about them to go to the Valley and get three points. If I'm Lord of the Stance, then you are becoming Charles Stance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My next best is uh, Northampton, 2-1 to one in League 2 this weekend to beat Sutton in South London. Northampton, for me, and it's taken me a bit longer to get to this point than, than some people who are a bit hotter on them earlier in the season, uh, including yourself. I'm, I'm happy with them. I think a really consistent performance level now in a division where I, I don't think you can say that about about many teams, maybe only two or three of, of which cobblers are one. It reflects very well on your mate, John Brady, uh, who who really managed that relegation very well, you have to say, and has put together a, a, a very, very good team in his image. The form line for, for Northampton says two defeats and a draw, just one point in their last three. I, I don't. I'm not worried about that. I don't think that reflects the performances. Uh, it was a good good performance and a deserved point in that game against Forest Green last weekend. They battered Crawley in the midweek before and lost 1-0. Even John Yems admitted he didn't understand how Crawley had won that game. And the game before, they, they got blitzed by uh, Swindon, didn't they? 5-2, I think it was. Um, in the second half, they fell apart. Very, very uncharacteristic. I think, you know, they, they had just come back from a three-week break uh, and and they hadn't adapted to that at all. They, they didn't seem ready to, to play, uh, or at least not to the level that we'd expect for them. Before the COVID break, they'd had a great run of, of four wins. And it's those results, I think, are more reflective of this cobbler side than the current run of being winless in three. And I think Sutton, almost the opposite, really. They are clearly doing very well in terms of results. But if you if you look at the performances themselves... 
sure they are still living a hell of a life right now but I think there's a feeling that they're they're just teetering a little bit uh, maybe at their absolute maximum in recent times to pick up some of these wins all of their games recently have been very hectic coming from behind in midweek to win 3-2 at, at Cole U with a last minute winner uh, a three all at Stevenage last weekend uh, with late goals an 89th minute winner against Exeter at home before that crazy games against Newport and Bradford earlier on in, in December there's a lot going on with Sutton right now and, and I sort of think they're at their Yeah, they're at their absolute maximum. I'm not sure it's hugely sustainable if the current performances continue, I guess. The the best analogy that I thought I could think of earlier when I think of Sutton, George, is they're having the best night out of their life, right? So let's say it's it's Sutton's birthday equivalent at the moment. They've had the best day, best night ever. Everyone's loving them. They're the centre of attention. Everyone's loving their vibe. They're really feeding off it. But they've had a lot to drink. It's getting a bit later on. And they're getting a little bit wobbly. The, the good energy and the adrenaline that comes with that is keeping them going. They're, you know, they're still doing well. But each shot of tequila is a risk from this point. And, and they've kept standing. They've kept going. They've kept dancing. But I reckon it's the next shot of tequila against Northampton Town. That's the one that pushes them over the edge. The eyes go. They think it's a good idea to take their shirt off. They get kicked out. They get aggy. Then they go be sick in a side street. That's what I think the that's what's gonna happen this weekend. The footballing equivalent of all of that. I think Northampton can handle Sutton better than most other teams in the division and cause plenty of a threat of their own. So I'm up for this one at two to one, my next best, Northampton to win this weekend. And don't forget that Betfair have no cash out suspensions on match odds for all EFL games. That's applicable to singles and to multiples. So any bets on match odds for an EFL game or a multiple this weekend, there'll be no cash out suspensions whatsoever. How about a lay from you? My lay is Sheffield United. Cool. Um, who are at home to Luton, uh, laying at about 1.97. I was matched that. <clears throat> Blades had a, a pretty ch- tricky midweek, um, going 2 0 up away at Preston and then conceding twice late on in the game to draw the game 2 all. Um, prior to that, we saw them getting beaten 2 0 by Derby. So that early good, good form under Paul Heckingbottom is over and they come up against the Luton side who, who come into this in, in really good form. You know, they went to, to Reading in midweek and won very cosily there 2-0 um, with Reading not really laying a glove on them. They beat Bournemouth 3-2 uh, last weekend. I don't think there's a great deal between these two sides. I think we're starting to see a bit of a drop off with Sheffield United's performance, specifically their, at, you know, their ability to, to manage games, I guess. They created very, very little um, against uh, in, in the game against Derby. And then to open the door against 10 men um, from a 2-0 position is, is very poor. So I think odds on is is very short. You know, Luton's position in the table, I think we both agree, will probably improve from here till the end of the season. Um, and, and I don't think there's a great deal between the two sides. So I think Sheffield United odds on is, is the lay for me this weekend. And I'm going for a much shorter price. I've laid Rotherham. This weekend, uh, 1.4 on the exchange. Uh, they are 3-1 to one on, uh, 1.33 to back on the sportsbook. They are very, very short. Uh, you laid them last week and they lost to Fleetwood, didn't they? I don't have way more new stuff to say other than what you said last week. Of course, there's been a dip uh, in the last few weeks, both in terms of the results themselves, but visually as well. The bookies obviously aren't too concerned about them, George, overall, which is good news for the anti-post backers, good news for those who pick them to, to win the, the title. But yeah, this just, just feels that extra bit short and I'm, I'm happy to take it on. Bear in mind that Fulham 
were a longer price to beat Reading last midweek than Rotherham are to beat Cheltenham. It's not that surprising they've had a little dip. It's certainly not enough to write off the whole season. It just feels like they've lost a, a touch of intensity, a touch of effectiveness. They've lost that invincible glow they had for two two months or so. We've seen the return of some quite familiar finishing issues that have haunted them at, at different times, sometimes for quite long stretches uh, over the last few years. Still taking quite a lot of shots. Just doesn't look quite as composed or as slick as it did uh, when they were on their good run. Cheltenham, obviously, under Mike Duff, a team that we expect to be very well organised generally. They've also added a ton of attacking options uh, already in January. And I just think with the home crowd expectant of a return to form for Rotherham, they could be well, could get a little bit fractious if they don't take control early here. They might well do. Rotherham might, you know, fly back into into form and win this comfortably. But at this price, I'm, I'm happy to take a punt that the Millers will just remain a, a bit iffy f- for at least one more game. So a £10 lay, for example, I'd have to pay out £4 if Rotherham win. Uh, if it's a draw or Cheltenham win, then I take the, the £10 that I've put up for someone to stake. Bit of a win-win too, given that Rotherham winning the league will <laughs> basically pay for my honeymoon. Uh, so <laughs> if they do win this, I'll, I'll be pleased in a way. They'll be back in business and I'll be 0.4 points down uh, in terms of the betting show scoring. Uh, goals and goal scorers to finish off, George. Where are you going here? If it ain't broke, Addy. Yeah. Keep going. Don't fix it. I said last week, I think Swindon are a, a team to follow for goals. Um, they went to Port Vale and won 3-1. The BTTS landed within a couple of minutes. Here they face a Bristol Rovers side who, for all of their faults, are, are generally a team who find the net on the road. Um, if you're looking at their recent away games in the league, uh, they, despite winning many games uh, they scored in a one-all draw at Salford they beat Harrogate one away from home drew one all with Colchester away drew two all with Bradford away um, the only game they haven't scored dating back to the beginning of September on the road was against Forest Green last time out and I think we can forgive them for that given Forest Green's strengths um, both teams to score and over two and a half is 1.96 yeah as I say Swindon are outside at the moment who look to be the ones to follow for goals that's kind of been factored into the overs price here but I think they're still you know, it, it strikes me as a game, uh, especially with a bit of a local derby as well. There should be some needle in this one. Um, I'm sure Mr. McCurdy will probably enjoy that. Um, but yeah, I, I think the um, goals is the one to follow for Swindon. So I'm sticking after the winner last week with uh, with over two and a half and BTTS. I'm going for more of a sensible Elic approach here. Uh, I'm eight weeks without a, a winner in this section of the pod in the goals pick. <laughs> I, I, as you would have told me if I'd asked for your advice, which I, I didn't, which I, I try not to, I've definitely been guilty of being a bit greedy, trying to be too clever, too many doubles with one leg coming in and one letting me down, too many trebles with two out of three. So I'm going to give a single a go at a shorter price and similar theme to, to last week, a team that I expect to, to score goals. Uh, they are called Fulham FC. And I'm backing them to <laughs> score over 1.5 goals away at Stoke at 1.95, 19 to 20 that. So, yeah, two goals or more is what I'm hoping for for Fulham. That would be, even if they scored only two, that would be a huge reduction on, on recent games, right? They've beaten Reading 7-0 and then back-to-back 6-2 wins against Bristol City and Birmingham at Craven Cottage. Their current goals rate over the season, 2.69 goals per game. They have scored two or more in 15 of their 26 uh, league games. The issue here really is that Stoke don't tend to give up too many opportunities. They've only conceded two goals or more in eight of their games uh, out of, what's that, 25, eight of 25. So uh, the the Stoke angle is the, the big issue here. You could see a Stoke side frustrating 
Fulham in a way that their recent opponents haven't. However, Stoke's form has been a bit patchy. Their defensive numbers actually since Suter's injury in terms of XG against haven't really got worse, in fairness, uh, which people might have expected. I definitely don't think it's looked quite as solid and I definitely think they lose a bit in terms of ball playing. I just think it's interesting for Stoke that the first chunk of the season, they had a pretty settled back three of Ostergaard, Suter and Wilmot. And now their back three in the last game was Harwood, Bellis, Jagielka and Chester, two new signings. Uh, and Chester, who was who was there at the start of the season, but wasn't fancied. So it's a bit of a weird one. All change in the back three and kind of TBC whether this is a, a better trio. But I could see I could see Mitro having a pretty good time uh, either against Jags or Chester, you know, the older guys or Harwood Bellis, the, the younger guy. It's an interesting one. Fulham obviously in a state of absolute attacking bliss right now. Uh, Mitro flanked by Cabano and Wilson with Kearney and Carvalho uh, in central areas and the fullbacks as well uh, getting forward so high. It's it's just working perfectly. So all I'm asking is for Fulham to score two goals or more at Stoke. It's 1.95, hoping to get a goals pick. Winner up for the first time in a while. And who are you backing to score? Not Alfie McCalmont. It's a game you've already previewed. Oh, cool. Redding against Huddersfield. Is it Danny Ward at 11-4? to 4? It is. Yes. I was going to back him. Oh, there you go. I actually already have backed him, but then I, I've, I've made a different pick. So I'm pleased that you've made this pick. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he is the... I, I, I fancy Huddersfield as well. Um, he is the focal point and the most likely uh, goal scorer. Um, when you look, there's a fair few players who are shorter than him who play for Reading. It doesn't really make too much sense given that they're the favourites to win the game. Um, he's he's playing well. He scored, uh, three, he scored in three games in a row before coming off the bench against Forest and then was decent again uh, last weekend. So I think we can expect him to start ahead of Jordan Rhodes. And if he does, uh, he's the most likely scorer. Josh Caroma, I've seen being linked with a move away. He was the other one I was interested in. But I think given that there's some talk of him um, possibly being on Holmes, Holmes Forest. will be back as well. And I, th- I think yeah. Corbran pref- prefers Holmes to Caroma. Yeah. So I think he's the he's the more solid option. Um, and 11 to 4, I think that, you know, given that I agree with you, that Huddersfield look value. I think he's the he's the way to play it. Hopefully he doesn't just come on with two minutes to go. Okay, well, I've got a vested interest in that for sure. Um, I have split my stake on my goal scorer because I've got two centre-backs any time and I couldn't pick just one in case the other one scored. Uh, so 0.5 <laughs> points on Matty Pearson of Huddersfield at 12-1. to 1. Again, continuing to kick Reading while they're down, but set-piece defending has not been a strength of theirs either recently or overall this season. They've conceded the second-most set-piece goals. They've conceded the most set-piece shots by miles, the highest set-piece uh, set XG against by some distance as well per Okta analyst, and they're up against a Huddersfield side that have scored uh, 11 goals from set-pieces, the third or the fourth best in the whole division. Uh, and who often heads them in when Sorba Thomas puts them right under the crossbar? Matty Pearson. Uh, him and Tom Lees are quite difficult to pick between because actually numbers-wise, shots-wise, XG-wise, they're fairly similar. Uh, and Lees is, is a longer price, and I was tempted to go for the longer price, but Pearson's the one that I can see flying onto this. He always seems to want it that little bit more, and that's what I want in a centre-back that I'm backing to score. Uh, and then a West Brom player, they're up against Peterborough United, and I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if Frankie Kent comes back into the team here because their current centre-backs, Josh Knight and Ronnie Edwards, 
talented young players, not hugely strong in the air. I think they might need some assistance. Um, either way, we know that West Brom are pretty strong in the air. Uh, Matthew Clark is my pick here at 16 to 1. I think Carl Bartley will be back. He's obviously their main threat. I think he's he's 8 to 1 or so. So in this instance, I have taken double the price for his mate Matt, Matt Clark. He had two shots last weekend. Uh, I expect West Brom to bombard Peterborough here. Uh, and let's just hope for a lucky bounce off the backside of Matt Clark. So 0.5 points uh, on both Matthew Clark at 16 to 1, Matty Pearson at 12 to 1. I was going to ask if I could make it. George, 0.45 points on both, and then 0.1 point on the 220 to 1 double. Oh, I mean, you can, if you want. Are we getting a bit silly if we start splitting it that much? Mate, you've always been silly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't, don't, don't let that stop you now. Well, one of the silliest guys I know. With a, with apologies to El Arbitro Hugh Davis, 0.45 <laughs> points on Matthew Clark, 16 to 1, on Matty Pearson, 12 to 1, and 0.1 points on the 220 to 1 double. Up the Matthews, up the Mats, up the Matties. And remember, we're Betfair. If you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you will receive a £5 free bet also for use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's do apply for that. Can you recap your bets, please? Of course I can. Thanks. Uh, Lincoln um, to win is my nap. Fleetwood away at Charlton is my next best. Sheffield United is uh, my lay at home to Luton. BTTS and over two and a half goals in uh, Swindon versus Bristol Rovers is my goals bet. And then Danny Ward, anytime, 11 of four, uh, is my goal scorer bet. You've got, quite a, you've got quite a weird vibe about you today. If this is you feeling refreshed, I think I'd prefer it. Well, I think I've I prefer got, normal um, you. I've got two more podcasts to record this afternoon, so this could be interesting. <laughs> well, you're just sort of you're being you're being quite nice, but in like potentially quite a sycophantic way. Anyway, I'd like to get back to you being quite tired on Thursdays. My picks are: Nap, Huddersfield away at Reading at twenty nine to twenty, Northampton two to one. Uh, the lay bet is Rotherham at one point four. Uh, I've backed Fulham to score over 1.5 goals at Stoke at 1.95. And my goal scorer picks 0.45 points on Matthew Clark at 16 to 1, <laughs> Matty Pearson at 12 to 1, and then 0.1 point on the 220 Pray to 1. Pray for El Arbitro. Double. Are you doing Quest this weekend? Yes. Great. And I'm doing Five Live. So we've got your eyes and your ears this weekend mm, uh, i'll be on correct. five live at around 12 45 and then on sports report around 5 45 and george on quest in the evening it's going to be a hell of a weekend hopefully hopefully touch wood a full slate for the first time in what feels like months thank you so much to our sponsors betfair for their continued support of this podcast we'll be back again on monday to recap this weekend and we cannot wait have a cracking weekend guys <laughs>